great to be with you as we finish this series on going to the promised land. Um, I don't know if you were involved much this week in the uh, day, of re- day of reflection that we had, um, but it's been quite a profound time, hasn't it, looking back over the last 12 months, uh, remembering those who died, uh, those who've struggled in grief, the challenges of loneliness, isolation, anxiety, mental anguish. There's been a lot of suffering around over this last year, and that's just the stuff related to COVID, regardless of what goes on in our lives normally. And yet also, as this 12 months passes, we have hope of the vaccine rolling out. The numbers getting ill are subsiding. There's growing expectations, isn't there, of some return to those aspects of life that we've missed so much. Seeing people, (laughs) hugs, barbecues, parties, hospitality, and yes, maybe even haircuts. I did think I could probably do a Boris Johnson lookalike if I kind of starred it the right way this morning. Or I did wonder about wearing a hat. But uh, I guess the challenge will be, will we recognise each other when we get back together? Particularly if we've not managed to get the haircut done yet. And of course, there may be some body shape changes with all the extra cake we've been eating, some of us anyway, maybe the red wine we've been drinking and the feasting that's been going on. Who knows whether we'll actually recognise one another. But as churches, we're stood before the potential, aren't we? Looking to cross over the turbulent waters of COVID as clear ground starts to appear. What do we want to capture from our former existence? What has God taught us over the last 12 months? What will be new? Today we continue your journey of moving into the promised land and we're in Joshua 3 to 4. We want to see how that story can help us in our current situation. First 12 chapters of Joshua, as you I'm sure you know, is all about taking the land, the conquest, moving to the promised land that God was giving to the Israelites. In chapter 2, as Andy Taylor took us into last week, we had the positive report of the two spies that had been given and the amazing encounter with Rahab. Here in chapters 3 to 4, we're now at the Jordan. After 40 years of travelling, the last great natural barrier to stepping into the land, it needs to be crossed, but it's flood time. And don't imagine there's a seven bridge or a channel tunnel that you can go through to get to the other side. This river will need fording, which of course puts you in a very vulnerable position, particularly if you're spotted by your enemies. In these two chapters, 28 times Jordan is mentioned. 21 times the word crossing is used. This is a big moment, a massive moment for Israel, in fact. And we're supposed to linger at this critical Jordan moment. For the author of Joshua, there are two clear aims as the story is told. The first is the exaltation of Joshua himself, the new leader. Moses has died and here is Moses' replacement. Not easy shoes to fill, are they? Despite the fact that Moses himself had through his own disobedience, had failed to go into the promised land, still not easy shoes to fill. But Joshua had been well prepared. He'd learned well. He'd watched Moses. He'd accompanied him to the tent of meeting. He knew something about the presence of God. But as the new leader, he needs the people's support and confidence. 
In chapter 3, verse 7, it says this, And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. If you read right at the beginning of Joshua, you'll see in the first two verses of chapter 1 that God's already made it clear that this crossing the Jordan is a key part of Joshua's early mandate. It's got to be done. The second aim of the author is the exaltation of God. We've just read that this will show God is with Joshua. But Joshua says to the people this in verse 10, this is how you'll know that the living God is among you. And that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites and the Jebusites. As God is about to perform this miracle in their sight, they will know that God is with Joshua, but also that God is among them. Let's walk through the story a little bit. The first thing that needs to happen is the people need to get prepared. The people move from a place called Shittim, where they've been camped for some time, down to the edge of the Jordan. They're facing the reality of all that is before them. They're lingering right at the edge for three days. They can see clearly the challenge before them, the enormity of the task at full tide. This is the boundary to be crossed. This is the gateway to the promised land, and it's nigh on impossible for them to do in their own strength. It's actually suggested that at flood time it will be 10 to 12 feet deep and 140 foot wide. This is treacherous and they are vulnerable. And they've moved down to the edge of this river also so that when the time comes and God performs his miracle, they can move quickly, presumably to try to get across before they're spotted by their enemies. The second thing that they do in preparation is that they're told to become, to consecrate themselves. Joshua tells the people in verse 5, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. It's reminiscent of Mount Sinai where Moses had been told to consecrate the people. For them at that time it involved washing their clothes, it involved abstinence, it involved the setting of boundaries around the mountain in view of all God was about to do. God is about to do amazing things again and the people need to be ready. So what does preparation look like for us as we stand on the brink of a new, new dawn? Has there been consecration during Covid? I certainly think there has been. There's certainly been an increased sense of seeking God together. It, we hear all over the place prayer meetings have been more attended than probably for some years as we've gathered to seek God over this time. And perhaps also, maybe out of necessity, there's a drawing close to individually to God again. I've certainly felt that at times. The communal aspects, the normal practices that strengthen our faith and help us have not been there in the same way. And so maybe it's driven us to me and God in some kind of way. God is wanting his people, me, you, and in responding to that call of God, maybe we just commit a little bit more to him. Maybe we give ourselves to his purposes in a greater way. And maybe there'll be some great things that he will do with a people committed and devoted. 
One of the things I stepped out in over lockdown was the uh, Sunday night prayer that I did for quite, quite regularly in the early part of lockdown, not so regularly now. But certainly that first time I broadcast live on Facebook on a Sunday night when I was inviting people who were not of the Christian community particularly to come and join me, trying to give space for people who don't know Jesus to pour out some prayer, learn how to pray as they, people were reaching beyond themselves in this pandemic. Actually, I was pretty nervous. I was pretty, uh, didn't quite know how this would go. But it's been amazing watching the journey. And in fact, there was one chap who stumbled across my prayer thing who I'd known from 25 to 30 years ago hadn't seen over many years but had found me on on Facebook live and started to watch regularly and has subsequently been on our alpha online and God has moved powerfully in his life what might God do if we're prepared if we're ready if we're drawn back to him in a little bit greater way we then have the miracle of the crossing. Let me read from verse 14 of chapter 3. So when the people broke uh, camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is in flood during harvest, yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away. While the water flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah, that's the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. We see firstly here then the role of the priests. They're the first in and they're the last out. But nearly always when we read of the priests in these two chapters, it says something like the priests who carry the ark or the priests who carry the ark of the covenant of the Lord or the priests who carry the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth. Only once does it talk about the priests on their own. So it's more about the ark, the presence of God, the covenant keeping God being with them and his commitment to them that it is about the priests. These priests are not the latest superheroes. They're not priests whose feet have water-moving powers. This is about the presence of God. The priests carry the presence. And this is God battling on their behalf. Here against the flooded Jordan. But if he can do this, then later against the enemies in the land. Now, I know you'll know the answer to this question, but who are now the priests? Where now does the presence of God reside? So we take that presence, don't we, into our circumstances. And God is with us, fighting for us, whether that's the internal battles that go on in my soul or in my flesh as Warfare is waged against me, trying to turn me away from God. Or whether it's the external circumstances I face, God is with us. And then as this miracle transpires and the people cross on dry land, Moses speaks again to the priests after the people have gone over. And he says, come up out of the Jordan, 
And the priests came up out of the river, carrying the ark of the covenant of the Lord. No sooner had they set their feet on the dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran in flood as before. God had freed them from Egypt, the people of Israel, through the parting of the Red Sea. Now he does another water miracle as they enter into the promised land. The boundary becomes a non-boundary. For some of you, you need to hear that phrase this morning. The boundary becomes a non-boundary. Those things that you think put restraints around you. In the presence of God and by his power, no longer are restraints, but that boundary becomes nothing as God moves. And what do they do as they come to the other side of the river? They gather 12 memorial stones. Twelve men are chosen to gather twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, representing the whole of Israel. These stones are to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are a memorial to the people of Israel forever. They're a means of remembrance, aren't they? Memory is to do with identity, it's to do with belonging. We recall stories, and probably we'll do this as we start to gather as churches again in person. We recall stories when we gather with friends or family or work colleagues. What? To relocate ourselves, to recognise we belong together, to recognise our shared identity. Part of the tragedy of dementia, which has touched my own family, is that we forget who we are and even sometimes to whom we belong. That's part of its deep tragedy. But these stones then are also a means of instruction to the future generations of what God has done, of how God has been with us. Wasn't that something of which Mar Margie pointed to as she shared her story this morning in the source? That was wonderful to hear. What stories have shaped you during this pandemic? What are the memorial stones you need to set up to remember all that God has done? And so what's the outcome as they cross this river? Well, firstly, Joshua is exalted. Verse 14 of chapter 4, That day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him all the days of his life, just as they had stood in awe of Moses. Secondly, God is feared. Verse 24, he did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. God will be seen to be with them. And even as he leads them across this impossible barrier, this natural barrier, so they can trust him to lead them in conquering the land. And he's led us through this last 12 months. Can we trust him for the next phase? And thirdly, I want to suggest that the people also grew in confidence. They were witnesses. They were participants in everything that took place. They'd been obedient as God spoke to Joshua and Joshua spoke to the people. They were obedient. And in their obedience, they see God do what God does. Surely that strengthens them in their resolve to follow God as they start to move into the land and take the different cities and to put their trust in him. How's your trust of God grown over this last year, if it has? 
What has he shown you of himself? Have you experienced more of his character? Here we are then, 12 months into a pandemic. There's light at the end of the tunnel, praise God. We're starting to think about all that we've missed and the potential of getting it back. But what does God want to take us into? How has he called you back to himself? How have you prepared? And how do you demonstrate your commitment to follow his presence across the waters? I'm going to close with a little exercise that some of you will probably detest. Forgive me for that. Some of you will be right up your street. But I want to encourage you, where you are, in your homes, I can't see you, so you don't have to do this, but in your homes, could you just stand up? You can do it with your kids and they can participate. You might want to do it on your own later. But I want you to, if you're creative and imaginative, I want you to stand up and to shut your eyes in your room and imagine a line across the floor that you are stood behind. If you're more analytical, analytical, grab a piece of paper instead, draw a line down the middle of the piece of paper and imagine you're one side of that line. Now imagine you're stood before the Jordan. You've been camped there for a while and know that you're about to cross over into the land that God wants to give you. You've been travelling for some time, but have more recently been camped, waiting for the next move. Into this moment, God speaks, telling you to get ready. In your imaginations now, just make room for the Holy Spirit. What does God want to say to you? What does he speak? What does getting ready, preparation, mean for you? Just allow the Holy Spirit to speak or write it down if, you're, if you've got a bit of paper. Make a note of anything that the Holy Spirit drops into your imagination or into your heart. He then tells you to start crossing over. What can you take with you? What would hinder your crossing and make it difficult? What do you need to leave behind? Is there a memorial stone that you need to pick up and carry to the other side? Again, just allow the Holy Spirit to speak. Now cross. If you're stood up, step across that imaginary line. What does it feel like to have crossed over? What's different? What do you now see? Is there a new horizon? appearing before your eyes? Are there new adventures that God is calling you into? Is he dropping a thought or a word or a picture or an image into your mind that he wants to take you on a journey towards? 
we've just done that quickly and you may want to take some longer time to do that but Holy Spirit I pray that you would continue to speak as we start to cross over these turbulent waters of COVID and start to seek you and discover what the adventures are and the horizons are that you've got for us would you guide us would you show us what needs leaving behind would you show us what hinders our crossing maybe it's fear maybe it's anxiety maybe it's inhibitions maybe it's prejudice and what do you want to take us into holy spirit would you show us i pray in jesus name amen